Gino rolls left, looks, gonna throw to the back of the end zone, reaching up, and the catch, good one, he's got it, touchdown, Seahawks, Marquise Goodwin, far side of the end zone, diving for the ball. 8.04 on a Monday, happy Monday everybody, Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650, Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. It's underway now. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, going to join us in just a sec here. Uh, Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. To the phone lines we go. He joins us every Monday on this program. Our NFL insider, Mike Tannier. Here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I am frantically refreshing and checking my text messages for Aaron Rodgers' injury updates. That's how I'm doing. Uh, Let's start there since you brought it up. Uh, What exactly did Rodgers say in the aftermath and then what's going to follow this week uh, after he was knocked out of the game last night and Jordan Love took over at quarterback? Yeah, he made some, like, soothing statements about how, you know, he apologized to Mike LaFour for not being able to finish the game, which which totally sounds like Aaron Rodgers, by the way, right? That's, <laughs> that sounds sincere that he's he's running around apologizing to his coaches. But, you, you know, that, that, that's what he said after the game. The implication was that, you know, he feels like he should be able to turn around and come back quickly. Um, Jordan Love played well yeah. in that game. He, he delivered a touchdown drive. Uh, you know, he delivered a field goal drive late that kind of kept the Packers in the game. There's a lot of intrigue happening moving forward. We we need real information about Aaron Rodgers' injury first, and that's probably not going to be forthcoming for a few more hours. And then if he misses time or if he's questionable, this whole uh, this whole secondary narrative comes up about, you know, with the Packers nearly eliminated, is it time to look at Jordan Love? Yeah. And if they decide to look at Jordan Love, does that just mean the end of the Aaron Rodgers uh, uh, era in Green Bay. So there's a lot to unpack, and we don't have a lot of information just yet. I did notice in the post-game presser, he was asked multiple times if this would be a shut-it-down scenario, given, one, his health or lack thereof, and then, two, the fact that this Packers season is pretty much done anyway. So you kind of start extrapolating it out, like you said, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, could this be it for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, in which case it would really throw the offseason into arrears, would it not? Oh, that would be all we talk about from the moment he shut down to the moment he signs elsewhere. That would be all we talk about. I'm going, to, you know, I don't have to think about anything else. I could just follow him around. It, it will be amazing. But you know, he wanted to shut down the shutdown narrative last night. There was no way he was going to, to to entertain that kind of talk, and that kind of gives you an idea where his mindset is. If he's reasonably healthy, he's going to want to go out there. And if he wants, if Aaron Rodgers wants to go out there. That organization kind of has to let him go out there. They have to really handle this gingerly because there's a lot of scenarios, and one of them would be they make some kind of bold move to shut him down, and Jordan Love leaves an egg late in the season. They could end up with, with nothing to, to show for it. So it's a very, very delicate and, and still emerging situation. Let's turn our attention now to the Raiders-Seahawks game from yesterday. Uh, Vegas wins 40-34 to in OT in the play we see all the time, the 86 yard walk-off touchdown for the victory mm-hmm. from who I believe Josh Jacobs just got another 10 yards from scrimmage as we were talking about this. <laughs> so he finished with over 300. Jason was, and still is, he's got the look on right now. I'm furious. I'm furious. It, it's so frustrating to see your team get run on 
at will. And in mm. basically all the Seahawks losses, that's what's happened. It kind of looked like they might have figured out something for a little bit, but I think those were mostly just teams that had issues with the run back-to-back yeah. weeks, really. Um, if you're looking at that Tampa Bay loss too, and and all the way back to like Taysom Hill just taking the ball and running for a touchdown, <laughs> so frustrating to watch. And you know, if if you look at the playoff standings now, the Seahawks are no longer in a playoff spot because of the Washington Commanders of all team. Um, what do you what did you make of that loss to to the Raiders? Well, a lot of it is what you said, and by the way, the 84 yard touchdown was. Josh Jacobs' second most impressive run of the game. He had one where he stiff-armed everybody into the, into the stands earlier in that game. Uh, but you're right. It's, it's that Seahawks run defense. And, you're, and it, exactly, it looked like it was figured out for a while, but they weren't strong running teams. And when they faced the Buccaneers, who were a terrible running team, and the Buccaneers got like, you know, four, five, six yards a clip against them, it was like, oh, this is a problem, this is a problem. And I think the Seahawks can – They'll make it into the playoffs. They've got some easy games coming up. I believe they've got the Rams and the Panthers yeah, uh, over the right. next two weeks. And that, that, that could get them right back into pace. The Commanders and the Giants, they could issue a double knockout to each other. One of them could eliminate the other from the wild card. question is, the Seahawks get into the playoffs with a really bad run defense. And the 49ers, who run the ball all everybody is sitting there. The Eagles, who just ran for 363 yards against the Packers last night, are sitting there. The Cowboys, uh, the Vikings, these teams love to run. The Seahawks are probably not going to figure this out this year, but they should be able to figure it out enough over the next couple of weeks to, to at least get into the playoffs. Mike White takes Manhattan. That was not a headline I expected to read, quite frankly, ever, but there it is on the front of your article today. I mean, I could not think of a worse turn for Zach Wilson and his future employment in the National Football League than what Mike White and the Jets did on the weekend. Yeah, that's, it was a pouring rain day. Uh, here in New Jersey for, for much of that afternoon. And I, I could picture a scenario where if Zach Wilson was out there and had a really bad game, he'd be like, what do we expect from this guy in the rain? And, you know, it was windy against the Patriots. You know, it, it was unseasonably warm early in the season, whatever the Zach Wilson excuse of the week is. Mike White goes out there, and it's just a very simple, very scripted game plan. They're not expecting him to go out there and, you know, be Tom Brady or be Patrick Mahomes. But check down, like read the defense properly and realize, oh, I've got nothing here. I'm going to throw it to my back. And my back's going to give me seven yards or eight yards. Or tight end's just going to give me five yards. White consistently showed he kind of knows what he's doing. And kind of knowing what you're doing when the Jets have this great defense and a lot of playmakers means they're going to be a playoff team. And that was the problem with Zach Wilson. He would drop back there. It was pretty obvious if the first read wasn't open, he had no idea what to do. And he would throw the ball to Devin McCourty. So, yeah, I, I read somewhere this is a quarterback controversy. There, there is no quarterback controversy. Mike White may not be great, but he is the quarterback of the Jets moving forward for the rest of the 2022 season. So I bring this up because there's another subhead. I love your subheads in the, in the walkthrough. Go read Thank it, by you. the way, Football Outsiders. It was the day, the day of the derpy quarterbacks, which is great. <laughs> now, I wanted to bring this up, one, because of Mike White, but two, we had a guy here with the BC Lions in the Canadian Football League this year, Nathan Rourke, who, is, who had a tre- tremendous year, and he's getting looks from NFL teams. I bring that up because yesterday we saw the likes of Sam Darnold play a football game, Bryce Perkins, Trevor Simeon, Kyle Allen. We're at that stage of the season where everyone that their year is done, they're trying to figure out what they've got at quarterback. And it's of particular yeah. interest to us because of what might happen with Rourke. So what was the day of the derpy quarterbacks like? 
Yeah, they want to find out what they got, and what they got is not a lot. Right. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold went out there and outperformed Russell Wilson, but that's no longer a thing that you should be super, super proud of. Uh, it was nice to see Darnold go out there like that. And uh, the rest of it, it was really a mess. You, you know, the young man that the, the Rams ran out there was pretty much Taysom Hill. He was pretty much a wildcat quarterback, and, and you know, he was able to make a couple plays, but it was obvious that the Rams were going to get shut down by the Chiefs. Uh, Kyle Allen's been bouncing around for years. I don't know how he keeps getting looks. He went out there for the Texans. The Texans are just a travesty right now. Uh, they could probably lose to a couple of CFL teams. That's about where they stand. And yeah, you know, when you talk about uh, like a CFL quarterback making the NFL, well, PJ Walker, uh, he was up there for a few years, right? He was up there in the CFL, mm-hmm. um, and he, he got down. He comes down here and he had a couple of decent games for the Carolina Panthers. Injuries came in. Uh, there was kind of a ceiling to what he did, so, but. There's going to be opportunities for whether they're young quarterbacks, reclamation quarterbacks, et cetera, because if you look at some of the teams that we saw last week, they're in dire situations. Don't forget, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady did not have a phenomenal game. Matthew Stafford is in a weird, weird situation right now. Going to be a lot of opportunities for starting quarterback jobs in the NFL in 2020, 2023. Uh, yeah, speaking of starting quarterbacks in their current situations, there might not be one more dysfunctional than what Kyler Murray's got going on in Arizona. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's strange. Have you been able to kind of break this down and figure out exactly what's gone wrong and if it's fixable? Okay, so uh, Ian Rappaport reports yesterday that over the last couple of weeks, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray have talked. They've really talked. They've shared. No, that's they've, nice. They've, they've, had a, they've had a little uh, group therapy session together, and they apparently sorted their differences out. And that was the storyline going in. And I first hear that, it's like, you know, that's a good idea. It sounds like this was a dysfunctional relationship. Maybe if they're going to get serious about emotional honesty and, and communication, that will help them. Well, they go out there. The Cardinals are good in the first half. They're a mess in the second half. There's this ridiculous fourth-down interception that Murray throws. They interview him after the game on the podium. And he's like, yeah, schematically, we were, you know, screwed up. We were screwed up. So he basically takes a shot at his coach seven hours after after the storyline breaks about how well they're communicating with each other. So this is just who these guys are. You know, this is who Murray is to a degree. This is who Cliff Kingsbury is to a degree. This is who Steve Kime is to a degree. Their assistant coaches, uh, you know, can't go to Mexico without getting in trouble. Yeah. This is a, a an organization that has real top-to-bottom character issues and the results are what you saw on the field yesterday. That was a winnable game for the Cardinals. They got guys back. They had Hollywood Brown back. They had Nuke Hopkins back. And what could they do? They, they scored 17 points and then stopped. This is just a bad top-to-bottom organization that needs like, like, like a complete fumigation. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Jason and I said prior to the season, and really in, in the early stages where it looked like he might have really taken a leap under Doug Peterson, that he was finally going to make good on this promise that he showed at, at college and in Clemson. And it hasn't been a straight trajectory for Lawrence. No. He's had struggles this year without question, but that was a very big performance. I don't want to say, like, as you, he's arrived. Was this his arrival moment, the 28-7 to win over the Ravens where they went for it at the end and he was played fantastic. But uh, what are we seeing from Lawrence with regards to what his future may look like? Or has it, I'll say it, has the future arrived? The thing with it is interesting is as a passer, Pure passer. He's looked very good all year, and he keeps getting looking a little better, a little better. He's really developing. The problems come in that he takes strip sack fumbles a lot, and like in the red zone, he'll either take a, uh, an ugly sack or throw an interception, you know, into tight coverage in the end zone, trying to make something happen. So there's two things. There's one where it's like he's improving, improving, and another thing where it's like he needs work in this. And when he's 
makes a mistake. When you get strip sacked and you fumble, that's a huge, huge mistake that like negates a lot of you know ten yard passes. So you know, yesterday there was still another strip sack, and, and there was one late in the game, and those things are still continuing for Lawrence. But all the things he's doing as a passer are getting more and more fantastic. Unbelievable fourth down throws, third and long throws, clutch throws, and the tight coverage and the tight windows yesterday. Chances are he's going to figure out how to hold onto the ball with both hands. That's an easy thing to learn how to do when you're a quarterback. It's a hard thing to learn how to do to complete fourth and eight, 29 yards down the field. So I think Lawrence is really going where he needs to go in his development, and you're really going to see the dividends end of this season and beyond. Uh, and I want to end with the the Russell Wilson situation in Denver. I, oh. I know it, it's 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 past the point of being a disappointment. Like it's and I I just wonder if it's gotten to the point where there's going to be any sort of like tacit acknowledgement from the organization that this isn't just <laughs> a bad start and with a coaching change they might be able to fix this. It, there might be a mistake. Like are they close to that yet? They're the lowest scoring team in the NFL. They average, they score 14 points a game. Like it's crazy that they went out and traded all this draft capital. And then double down with a massive extension for Wilson to get the worst offense in the NFL. Like, it is mind-boggling when you put it in that perspective, but that's where they're at. I guess the question is, what do they do? And have they reached anything close to a point where it's like, hand up, we made a huge mistake here? The Broncos, by the way, have scored 13 points in the second half combined in the last three games. Yeah, like, they just can't (laughs) score points. It's crazy. Yeah, these are close games. It's just like, "Ah, we're not going to come back. We're not going to do anything. I. The acknowledgement's going to come when the new ownership regime, who I think is still, you know, picking out the wallpaper and the drapery and moving their desks in. These, these guys took over a couple of months ago. Once everybody is sitting in their desks, you're going to see Nathaniel Hackett fired. You're probably going to see some changes in the general manager situ- uh, situation. And that's when they're going to acknowledge that this was a mistake. They can't really acknowledge that with Russell Wilson because they are on the hook in every conceivable way for another year at least. So the first thing that's going to happen when Hackett and his regime go is uh, ownership will probably have to sit down with Russell Wilson and figure out who are you, what do you want, what's going on with you, and what can we do to put something in place that can try to revive your career. Uh, They're either going to do it in that direction or just the opposite. Hey, Russell Wilson, here's some hardcore, hard-nosed old coach, like it or lump it. They're going to do something like that to bring things to a head. But, again, I think we're a matter of, like, days to weeks away because the only thing that's holding things up right now is that a new administration is coming in and they don't want to be necessarily hasty before they've got all their ducks in a row. Mike, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. Enjoy Monday Night Football for those. We haven't even mentioned it yet. It's the Steelers and the Colts tonight. There, I mentioned it. That's why we didn't mention Uh, it. And (laughs) it has been mentioned. Don't say it hasn't. Uh, Enjoy the game tonight. We'll do this again next Monday. Always a pleasure. Take care and enjoy your week. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders here in the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, you know, I was trying to, when I was reading through the walkthrough and Mike was running through this list of terrible quarterbacking performances, either from guys like Russell Wilson who have fallen off a cliff or guys that were never up on the cliff to begin with, like half the guys that we saw yesterday, I kept thinking, I'm like, God, I wonder how many teams are going to take a good, honest, long look at Nathan Rourke. If you're starting, probably quite a few. Yeah, like I, well, I, I, I had it. There was the derp ability from like there were like ten derp performances yesterday. The Russell Wilson story this season has been my rock. It's great eh? as a sports fan. You know, I don't have a lot of stability with the Canucks. 
The Seahawks are up and down. I didn't know what to expect from Canada at the World Cup, but the Russell Wilson story in Denver has been that thing that just holds my hand throughout the season, and I and I can uh, I can rely on it. Mm-hmm. I can rely on him being a disappointment for the Broncos, and I appreciate that because you need stability in your life, right? You need that one thing that you can count on. And I loved when I looked at his. Uh, his box score to start the game. And it was like, he's five of five or something like that. I'm like, uh Oh, he might be playing well. And then I looked at it and it was like yards gained seven, right? Like does it, all he does is dump it off. The schadenfreude has exceeded everyone's expectations. Like if they struggled, yeah. like some of us thought they might, then it was going to be okay. But you I'm gotta... so glad we broke up. Like, I'm so glad we broke up well, this before is... he was traded to Denver. I'm so glad I'm I'm not one of these people that's still holding on to, like, he can still do it. He's Russell Wilson. I don't know how many of those people are left, but I just feel like I made a great time to break up with him. It was – actually, we, we broke up before he was traded. There was there, – there was I mean, we went probably in counseling a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and then we just decided it was better to see other people, and I couldn't be happier with the decision that – that I've made as a sports fan. <laughs> Speaking of rocky relationships, did you see Broncos defensive tackle Mike Purcell yelling at Russ on the sideline yesterday? Yeah. That was and awesome. Then I, and then I liked his explanation after. It was like, we're, we're just all in this together. It's like, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> it seemed like the big guy was yelling at you. When he didn't... <laughs> Russ looked terrified. Yeah, eh? He's like, Purcell... uh-huh, uh, okay, uh, fair enough, Purcell... fair enough. Like, Purcell's a D-tackle, so he's, he's, he's going to be an inherently <laughs> big dude. I think he's 6'3", 330 pounds. Like, even if you're fired up and you're getting in a screaming match, at a certain point, survival instincts are going to kick in. There's, like, this mountain of a dude yelling at me. Maybe I should check myself. And that's exactly what happened there. Okay. Uh, we are up against it for time. No, I'm not, doing what we learned. I know. Okay. We're up against it for time, but not so much that we can't do two things at once. One, we're going to bring you the soccer report brought to you by Certain Teed, and it's also going to be a what we learned, okay? We're going to jam everything in here. This is the soccer report slash what we learned brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. Jason, in a rare moment of you being the soccer guy, mm-hmm. you're going to do the soccer report and a what we learned around the beautiful well, game. Well, it's not that advanced, but the thing I've learned is that only one team has qualified for the round of 16. Yeah. Most teams have played two games. But only one team, France, has actually qualified for the knockout stage. Yep. Um, I would say typically there's more at this point. And to be fair, Brazil and Portugal could uh, advance yep. today. Or I guess, uh, you know, uh, Switzerland could advance if they if they pull off the upset. Brazil against. and Switzerland currently underway right now, by the way. 22nd minute, nil-nil. Yeah, no, I know what um, you're saying. And- but it, it's just like there are so many teams, like I, I think with the upsets early on, especially with, for example, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina, mm-hmm. we might have expected that Argentina would be through after two games. But that's not possible. Yep. Uh, England's performance against the Americans was gross. And ugly after really taking care of business against Iran. So England is pretty much through. Mm-hmm. They would have to lose to Wales by like four goals in order for that to even be a possibility that they don't get through. Mm-hmm. But they're not officially through through yet. And you know, there's only two teams that have been eliminated so far, right? Canada and Qatar. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's it. And part of this is because exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. It wasn't just the upset. It's that the group gets turned completely on its head. Because like you said, at this stage of the game, Argentina would probably be six points clear and the team would be eliminated from that group. Hasn't happened. Japan goes out and beats Germany in a pretty stunning upset. Yeah. Costa Rica, who got throttled by Spain, who by all rights really should have been eliminated after losing 7-0. There should have been a special Morocco group. beating Belgium. Right. But Costa Rica beat Japan. No, I know. After yeah, Japan yeah. beat Germany. So that yeah. keeps... So, in almost all the groups you've had, this the group with the U.S., the the geopolitical group of death, mm-hmm. right? There's got to be a better way to say that. They're all still alive. They're all still alive going yep. into final match day, yep. right? So it's just, it's actually made for a compelling tournament that you're just going to have to wait a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know? Like, match to match, it's been okay. Uh, I think the entertainment level's been good. I think there's been a few too many scoreless draws for my liking, but... Right now, what you're seeing... Some great games this morning. Yeah, this this morning, really, uh, there was, what, that was six in the first one, and then five, so mm. 11 goals. In Another the first boring draw this morning. Yeah, right, There's the 3-3 <laughs> boring draw. But you look at it, and you're saying, okay, in terms of how the group stage is going to finish, because that's where all the drama is, mm-hmm. right? Final day, group stage, winner goes through, loser goes home. You've got a lot of those right now, and you've got the potential for a few more, depending on what happens today, as you mentioned, with Portugal and Brazil, most can we, notably. Can we talk about how fascinating that Iran-United States game is going oh, to be? It's, yeah. It, it, like, I will not, I, I you know, England and Wales are also playing, but I'm going to be watching. Right. If I have a, that choice, I'm going to watch Iran-United so, States. So to set the stage for this, because of they don't want any funny business going on on the final match day, mm-hmm. uh, the matches kick off. At the exact same time. It used to be different. So you, if you were in this final day scenario, some teams would be able to see what happened in the other matches. And then right. I don't know if anyone was actually altering their style of play for it, but some people did. Like, oh, we only need to draw now, right? Sure, of course. That, that kind of thing. So, right, so what's going to happen is at 11 o'clock on Tuesday, tomorrow, you're going to have Wales taking on England. So that's top and bottom of the group. And Wales basically needs to go out. They need to win. They need to win. Yeah. And for England to, to not go through, they need to lose by m- more than four mm-hmm. or four or more. Either yeah. way, Wales is going to be beyond determinated and flying forward because they have to win, which means Iran and U.S. basically becomes one of us has to win this to go through. Like a draw is not probably going to get it done for. So it's Well, a draw can probably get Iran through. But it won't for the U.S., right? So the right. U.S. needs to push and push and push. Mm-hmm. So you've got this great scenario unfolding where you're going to have two matches playing out simultaneously mm-hmm. where everyone except for England's life is on the line. It's great. It's great drama. It's yeah. great theater. It's so. going to be incredible. So we're going to do two things now. First thing is going to be the moo cow, and that's going to be Laddie's responsibility. And then Halford's going to do a read. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that this soccer report was brought to you by CertainTeed. The pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. Okay, uh, one final segment to come. We are ready to give away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Capitals tomorrow night. Two pairs. Two pairs of tickets to see the Canucks and Capitals. 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Here's how you do to enter into the grand prize draw. Send us a what we learned. Via text, please. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Hashtag at WWL. Tell us what you learned over the last 72 hours in sports. And, this is important, put a ticket emoji in the text. The dogs, A-Dog and Laddie, will choose two winners. Again, two pairs of tickets to see the Canucks and Capitals. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. It's all happening next, so don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. 
Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Eight thirty-three on a Monday. Good tune, Lighty. What's this? I was just about to hit Krusty, and you talked over it. It's okay. What song is this? It's from the people who brought you Four Quincy. Yeah, I was gonna say this feels like it's in the Four Quincy genre. This yep. one is—it's called Nuova Scotia. I like it. Yeah, Andy. Oh, it's you're great. The, you're the music guy. I always defer to you. It's kind of got an Austin Powers thing going on. Yes. I hear the little flute in the background. Okay. Business. Jazz flute, if you will. <laughs> business. The business, death business. marches on hold now. <laughs> I think you forced that one. <laughs> Joke. Uh-uh. I disagree. Anytime Andy sings, it's funny. It doesn't matter what it is. You got oh, an Adam Sandler thing about yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just sing something. It's funny. We're gonna <laughs> eventually it's gonna get to the point where we're like, sing boy. Bruh's sing. getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always funny. That's not helping. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Oh, wow. Focus. Focus. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Alfred Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Bring back today. saxophone solos. That's all I have to say. They were a staple of things. In every genre? Not, not every musical genre from now on? We will always saxophone remember solo. Blood and Guts Murphy. Yep, that's right. <laughs> the heat is on. Incredible. Saxophone. Solo. I'm with him on this. I agree. Yeah. From the movie, what movie? The Heat is on. What movie? Beverly Hills Cop. There you go. See, you're coming along. I that one. Come on. Andy. Okay. Andy. Don't act like. Ruff's like, hey, name this obscure movie reference that only three people in the inbox know. What? You didn't get it? You're crazy, man. Watch some Iron Eagle. <laughs> One of the hints I think was bad time to drink tea. One of the hints was cheers. Like that was one of the tests, and, you, and you're like, "Oh, I got cheers." I was like, "Yeah." After I told you this famous sitcom in a bar, yeah. the only oh, cheers. one. Oh, the yeah. show that was canceled when I was two. That one. It didn't cancel. It just chose that. Oh, right, right, right. No one yeah. cancels Sorry. cheers. Okay, no one cancels cheers. It did get definitively canceled. Uh, okay, Halford and Brown of the morning is also brought to you by Campbell and Pound. Real estate appraisers trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Finally, did you hear? Did you? BC's best hockey store, The Hockey Shop, has moved to Langley, where you'll find bigger departments and better parking. Centrally located just off Highway 1 near the Langley Event Center. Okay, business is done. Dot Matrix is fired. Submissions have been printed and away we go. What we learned. This one is from Reed. Hashtag WWL what we learned. What I've learned, Reed writes, is that this team needs a firm Leonardo DiCaprio rule. What's that, you might ask? No one over 25 gets extended. <laughs> it's pretty good, Reed. The conversation about Kuzmenko being extended should be instantly halted. If DiCaprio would break up with the player, so should we. This team needs to get younger. I have not thought about the DiCaprio I like that role. a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. You might have to bump the age a little bit for it to coincide with your nope. don't. No. No. Tw- no. <laughs> no. Leo wouldn't. Yeah, Leo, if Leo wouldn't. You know what? I'm with him. Lock it up. That's a rule. We're going with it. The Canucks need to adopt the DiCaprio rule. You know those classic NHL teams that win the Stanley Cup with no players over 25 on their roster I mean, all. it's a new school of thought, <laughs> but we're changing the way the game is played, mm-hmm, just like Leo did. 
Uh, Christopher stuck in traffic. What we learned that the Seattle Seahawks need to draft defensive players, not a quarterback. No question about that. That man ain't wrong. No question about that. That man, that's a good, what we learned. That's a good, solid, what we learned. Or maybe both, right? They got a lot (laughs) of picks. They're going to have a lot of picks in this upcoming draft and they're going to have to knock it out of the park. Like they did in the most recent draft. Uh, they need a, the problem is it's. To, to replace some of the guys that they've lost in recent years, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, like that's not easy to do. It but, is if you got a lot of first round draft but you, capital. But you need to figure out a way to um, to add, I would say, an impact player in the trenches defensively. Like it's just add, no, no, no. Just get just get ball players on D, like Sauce Gardner. What he's doing for the Jets this year. But they got to do something to stop the run. Yeah, it's, for sure. Like, it's I so be su- demoralizing to get run on like the Seahawks yeah. have. Like, I would not be surprised if, like, maybe addressing their defensive line and a yeah. run stuffer is, mm-hmm. or maybe a better tackler at the linebacker position that maybe isn't like Cody Barton. Like, I'm just saying, there's options there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you've seen teams, especially this year, um, bring here's this is the crazy thing about the NFL is you can bring guys in from college throw them into your starting lineup, and they make huge impacts mm-hmm. on your team. Yep. There's no, like, oh, we got to wait for them to get better. Like, you get better right away. Could you imagine if they added, like, uh, the Lions with Aiden Hutchinson. Like, it took them a little while to get caught up, but he looks like a beast. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine the Seahawks adding two super impact players on defense that start right away? and yeah. make, like, that's, that's huge, right? Steve and North Saanich, what we learned the 20 minutes after – Alfonso Davies scored against Croatia was the happiest I've seen Vancouver sports Twitter since Alex Burroughs scored an OT in game two of the finals. And they both collapsed just as spectacularly. I mean, we were just talking about this at the break. <laughs> I did have that thought when Davies scored. I was like, it's too early it's too for early. this goal. It's too early. Everyone I've seen it. it. I've seen it play out. We've, we've seen it play out for, for England in these games. Like, uh, Trippier against Croatia, and oh, then yeah. and Luke Shaw against Italy, and then you're saying this like it's too it's too, it's too early. early. It's too like early. they should play nil nil for a bit because I mean, when when the underdog scores first, then all of a sudden you're kind of like, what do we do now? Yeah. Do we try and defend? Do we change or, the tactics? Or do we keep attacking? Or in Canada's case, do we lose all of our composure? Yeah, because I think what happened was between. The Herdman F Croatia. And then in the first minute, you actually go out and do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're kind of on a high. Now, the interesting thing is that you mentioned the two England matches where they scored really early mm-hmm. and then eventually lost. Um, it took a long time for that to happen. Extra time and penalties. For right. Canada, they got undone in like 30 minutes. Because- but you could feel it. You could feel it was going to happen. Be- yeah, but because of what Canada did. Canada scored the first goal, and you know what it looked like? They're like, we got to go get another one right away. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, oh, my God, we're up 1-0 on this great goal against the against a, a, the team that went to the previous World Cup final. Yeah. That just feels like a time where you adjust the tactics, right? I, you respect I, I, your I, opponent. I, you know that the wave is coming. I kind of I kind of hate doing the, the soccer-hockey comparisons because I know it frustrates the soccer people, but the way Canada blew that one nothing lead against Croatia – was a lot of the same things the Canucks would do to blow their leads. Like, what's the term in, you know, yeah, how, sure. you know, in hockey we call it puck management? Yeah. Is there, like, ball management in soccer or just respecting possession? Because yeah. I cannot believe how many times Canada 
cheaply gave up possession, whether it was it was sometimes Alfonso Davies trying to t- trying to dribble through the entire Croatian team, or it was sometimes just bad passes that would either be intercepted or just lost to touch. Like it was just well, it's like there was what the, happened was I don't know what happened. Okay, but well, what it happened? Wasn't, was, Galindo brought it up, and I'll, I'll yeah. reiterate it. But he's right. Um, when they got the first goal, and all Herbman talked about was like being on the front foot, being aggressive, go, go, go. Mm-hmm. That was very clear. That's yeah. what they did against Belgium. That's what they wanted to do against Croatia. Um, they were making runs in behind without the ball, and then they were trying to slip, slip, slip. Like they were right. trying to get the balls through to like get through the Croatian backline and more chances and more chances. And more it chances. left them exposed. You just commit everybody forward. Yeah. Did you watch the England USA game? Nobody moved forward. No, I know. That was like the Simpsons clip where it's like forward passes to halfback, halfback. back to back to defender, back to half. That, that's yeah. what it was. Because mm-hmm. no one wanted to be out of position. Yeah. Canada said, oh, yeah, we're going to throw it all forward, and we're going to come. Halfback passes to the center. Back to the wing. This was England-USA. Yeah. Back to the center. And Canada did the exact opposite. The mm-hmm. problem was you gave a very technically skilled Croatian midfield, especially with Brozovic and Kovacic and Modric, and you almost dared them to pick you apart mm. and said, "Here's some spaces to do it." And they were like, "Thank you very much." We'll you gotta find that. You gotta find the happy medium between completely going into defensive shell, but also playing irresponsible. And that's what the Canucks have, been, have done mm-hmm. this season. I think they've played irresponsibly with the lead. That's not to say that you just sit five guys in your own end and just try and collapse around the goalie and block shots like you're Latvia or something. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, the and, and I and I appreciate the sentiment for the Canucks and maybe even Canada. Like, we got one, let's go get another one. But there has to be that like uh, asterisk beside it where you're kind of like asterisk. I always get confused with that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always like, and it's it's like within reason. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I just let's wanna, do this within reason. Yeah. And I just want to put a. We'll move on. I just want to put a bow on. I did, I meant to mention this earlier, but I should say it. There was always going to be a, a. It was always going to be tough to uh, kind of analyze and dis- dissect this tournament from a Canadian perspective because you had to weigh the moment and the accomplishment of just getting there, which is a big thing. Don't get me wrong, right? And then the moments that were going to happen, i.e., scoring the first ever goal, and then you had to balance that with actually analyzing you know, the competition, the tournament, what's mm-hmm. going on. And, I, you know, some people have really come out of the woodwork with this. They never stood a chance. I'm like, we are in a tournament where a few days ago the Saudis, who were trailing, came out and defeated Argentina. Yeah, Japan upset Germany. Like, these things are within the realm of possibility if the things break right on the day and you stay committed to trying to win a game, Right. You, and it's it's discipline and and yes, don't get me wrong. Both the games I mentioned had um, had elements of luck to them. But right now, it's very disappointing for me to say that there's only two teams eliminated from the World Cup, and one of them is Qatar, who's the worst team in the tournament, and the host, and mm-hmm. the only reason they're there is because they're host. And Canada, because Canada should not have gotten out of that first game against Belgium with no points. They should not have lost one nil. They should not have been shut out. They should have been alive going into the Morocco match, which I think you and I, when we had our expectations for Canada. We wanted that match to mean something. And that's a disappointment that it doesn't. Yeah. That's how I'll leave it. Yeah, the, 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 the plan for getting through was to get one result off of Belgium and Croatia and hope that 
you beat Morocco and you got four points and somehow the tiebreakers can get you through. Yeah. It, it sucks. I'm very disappointed that the third match doesn't mean anything. Yeah. The World Cup's over for Canada and that's a bummer for me. Uh, Burnaby Berto with what we learned. Alex Ovechkin has broken the NHL record for scoring the most goals with the same franchise, and he broke that record this year. Yeah, he did it a few weeks ago. He will most likely get to 800 goals this season as well and could pass Gordie Howe for the second-highest goal scorer of all time in the NHL. Another what we learned about Ovi, Mm -hmm. this one's somewhat less positive. (laughs) Dino Bravo. What we learned, Ovechkin will not pass Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record. He is still 114 away, and with the Caps decline, his production will continue to slow. I predict that Ovechkin will play for three more years. Averaging 25 goals per year, that leaves him 40 short when he retires. Now, here's where you come in, Dino Tex. By awarding me the tickets... I will go to great lengths explaining this logic to every single person sitting <laughs> within listening distance of me throughout the entirety of the game. So, Give them the so congratulations to Dino Bravo, but also Burnaby Berto. Yeah. They can go to tomorrow's game against the Capitals with di- a very different mindset. So it's we, con- do, are they sitting together? So it's, it's congrats to Dino Bravo, and then apologies to everyone that has to yeah. sit around. Him Dino Bravo game. tomorrow. I have been thrown out of the game. <laughs> They have asked me to leave. He shows, up with, he shows up with an armload of pamphlets. He's like, I have a lot of material on this. Anyway, congrats to you guys for going to the game. That's great. Um, so Ovi's got, what, 11 and 23 games this year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tight whether or not he breaks the record you know, or not. It is worth mentioning that if he's going to do this, mm-hmm. it's going to be with the Capitals, right? He's tied to that franchise. Like I, I oh, can't yeah, imagine yeah. him playing anywhere else in the NHL. I can see him going back to Russia. Can you imagine point. he goes to another NHL team, breaks the record there? He's like, I would like to thank the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes to Florida and he does it down there. There's like, <laughs> but honestly, so Dino brings up a good point because if the Caps become bad and they're certainly trending in a direction yeah. where they're not going to be competitive, mm-hmm. he's a, like he's a ride or die, right? That's that's he's a cap. The Caps are him. That's, mm-hmm. I don't think so the same thing about Broder though. What? He was the Devils. The Devils were him, but he ended up switching teams at the very end. But this has the contractual anchor to it. Like, if he was going to go somewhere. It's not going to stop him, is it? Well, the money might stop somebody from bringing him. Yeah, 9.5 million cap hit, right? Like, that's it's kind of one of those deals that just exists. I hope Ovi keeps playing for, like, six or seven more years just to break the record. And all he's doing, he's going to be, like, so he's 37 now. Mid forties, just standing there on the power play, yeah. just firing pucks. He only plays on the power play. That's what he does now? <laughs> that's all, I know. <laughs> he plays, What's the difference? He plays. He plays none at evens. He plays six minutes a night, and it's all on the power. Does play. anyone stand in one spot with his knees barely bent like Ovi on the power play? He'd still probably score twenty five. Yeah, for if sure. he did that, yeah. like just stood in one place the entire power play. It's hilarious. Like when you actually sit back and think about it, you're like, he's done the same thing for thirteen years. And it puts in, and it just looks so obvious that it's going and, there. And there's there's ways that our goalies are taught to play that type of play and, and how to slide across. Yeah. You still can't stop it because yeah. his yeah. shot is just too good, too quick. The release is too fast. He's amazing. He's got three years left on that deal, yeah. by the way. I wonder if he'll sign another contract. It probably depends on if he's broken the record, <laughs> frankly. Justin and East Van, what we learned, adding Kuzmenko to this season's Canucks team is the same as Andy joining the Halford and Bruff show. They're both adorable. Yeah. And adding positive vibes. Actually, 
That is a very good point. The A-Dog Kuzmenko comparison. I've actually heard happy. Kuzmenko is a big fan of yours. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he likes no, well. no, he oh. doesn't know who you are. Damn it. He doesn't know you exist. <laughs> Can I be what? like Demko? I had a really good stretch and then just fell off the face of a cliff. So I think that's my trajectory. When yeah, was, no, totally. This? Like your yeah. old news. I took the Demko route. Yeah, when right. was the, I, just refresh my memory. When was the stretch? <laughs> what was your stretch? Yeah. Well, the initial what was stretch. Walk right into it. The initial stretch. You told me it was good. I was good. You're good. You're, you're good, laddie. You're a good boy. Well, uh, what, my go bubble the... Demko? I don't know. <laughs> you're bubble laddie. That's your new nickname, by the bubble way. Bubble laddie. Bubble laddie. Uh, what we learned unsigned, the Western Conference is terrible. The Canucks have had a terrible season, are right there one point out of a wild card spot. I keep on thinking about what could have been if the Canucks could hold a damn lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's a very fair thing to point out. Like, even if they had blown, so it's what? It's seven multi-goal leads, five in regulation. That is incredible. Right? So it's not only that they blew multi-goal leads seven times, it's like they only got it to overtime twice. Five of them, they had a multi-goal lead. And then so they if they'd it. won all those that those seven games, they'd even be if, like a top of the West right now. They'd have now? won yeah. the Stanley Cup. But they they would have awarded to them. They just, yeah. You know what? <laughs> hey, congratulations on never blowing a multi-goal lead. Um, if they had just gotten them all to overtime or a shootout and lost them all, think about the position that they'd be in. Right? That's true. Like that's They could have still lost them, but it's, short, it's the shorty terminology. You got to manage your losses, right? Blow a multi-goal lead, but you get into overtime. It's a hell of a lot different than doing it in regulation, right? Where you walk away with nothing five times. Right? And yet somehow, just a handful of points out of the playoffs. Uh, Jeff, the tennis guy, and we already mentioned this, but I want to read it one more time. What we learned, the Canadian men are world champions. The Canadian men's tennis team down Germany, Italy, and Australia on their way to capturing their first ever Davis Cup title led by Felix Oje Aliassime, who won all three of his singles matches, including the cup-winning match, and paired up with BC's own Vasek Pospisil to earn the deciding doubles match in the semis. Only twice have they ever reached the final um, early 19 and 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, J- that was from Jeff, the tennis guy. Yeah, that, I mean, that is another notch on Canada's tennis belt. Yeah. And I think there's so much more to come, especially from Felix. Yeah. Right? Like, this guy just – everyone's been saying you're going to watch out for this guy. Like, you know, he, even when he was a teenager um, – he was just the he seemed like the one that that if there was ever going to be a superstar it would probably be him. Yeah, the ceiling's higher than it was with Chapo. I remember kind yeah. of asking around cuz they came around they're not exactly identical in age, but they you know same same era, I suppose. And I remember people saying like Shapovalov's got the potential to be like a top 20, top 15. Mm-hmm. But which uh, he is. Right yeah, now. but OJ Aliassim has the superstar potential. Right. It's funny, and I don't know what they see. Like, you never know. It was funny. I started watching Drive to Survive finally and get four years yeah. behind the curve on that. Halfer's like, has anyone watched the show? It's terrific. Now, is this car racing, is this popular in Europe? <laughs> um, so uh, the first season is when Max Verstappen is just, he's the number two driver at Red Bull. Yeah. And he's not the Max Verstappen that he is now. Uh huh. And the coach, the coach, the team principal, coach, uh, superintendent, he says Verstappen just has the magical dust spray. You could tell at that, even though he was young and reckless and hadn't yeah. been established, he just knew that he was going to be a star. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder, like, you must, I mean, these are guys that have obviously spent their entire lives watching people and they know when a special one comes along. Right? I wonder but, if part of it's how they carry themselves. 
I don't know. Do you know I, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, it's not only the talent, it's the... Confidence. The confidence, the composure. Yeah. And the Could ability be. to get better. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I've heard about can't miss prospects. And I know there's an entire cottage industry locally about looking at hockey prospects, mm. right? But um, there's a difference between seeing if someone will pan out, but then knowing that that person's going to be great, right? I think, they're, uh, I think with a lot of those um, athletes, too, when they're young, they know it themselves. Like they're not surprised by it. Yeah, that could be Do it. Do you know too. what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are some people that they burst onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And they seem surprised by it. Oh, I'm awesome! At like this. this is incredible what I'm doing right now. Like this, surely this can't last. And then it doesn't. Uh, Bob and Nanaimo hashtag WWO. What we learned? I learned that whenever Andy isn't on the air, the rest of the cash should be asking, "Where's Andy?" <laughs> this is all going to Andy's head. Yeah. Can you imagine e- if you get a huge right ego? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, please always, do not make eye contact anymore. We always knew Andy was destined for greatness. He was sprinkled with greatness dust. He's going to have to go back it. to his own pla- home planet at some point. <laughs> yeah. <That's true. laughs> so, waiting for that. Uh, uh, Surrey Ryan, what we learned, taking into account games in hand, the Kraken are tied for top spot in the Pacific. Yep. That's Sixth not overall. getting enough headlines. The Kraken have played some wild games. Yeah. And they're coming out on the top of them. Uh, they are now 13, 5, and 3 in 21 games, plus 15 goal differentials. So this is not a fluke team right now. Goal differential is always a valuable thing to look at. Uh, I wonder if they're going to be able to catch Vegas at some point because, frankly, Vegas does not. I know they had a great start, but they don't They don't look all that great right now. Could you? Do you know who Seattle – as we go away, I'll trivia question. Without looking, do you know who Seattle's leading scorer is? Uh, is it Beneers? No, it's Andre Burakovsky. Oh. 21 points in 21 games. Okay, that's it for today. We got to get out of here, but we will be back tomorrow. Thank you all for listening. It's been a fun show. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Bubble Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.